Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. This is Abdul Nasser Jangda. If you enjoy and benefit from listening to our podcast, please donate to Qalam by visiting supportqalam.com. We love being able to share this content for free with you, and your donation ensures that we are always able to do so. Each podcast we produce has tens of thousands of listeners. So the opportunity for gaining immense reward by supporting this effort is endless, insha'Allah. You never know who will be able to benefit from your contributions and donations. Jazakumullahu khairan. Wassalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Bismillahi walhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillahi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Inshallah, continuing with our study of the life of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, Asiratul Nabawiyah, the prophetic biography. <clears throat> In the previous uh, session, we talked about the concluding days of the life of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. We specifically talked about the last couple of days of the life of the Prophet sallallahu particularly the day of Sunday the day before he passed. And we talked about some of the very specific um, you know, incidents or some of the specific events that occurred on that Sunday. Uh, two that we, sp- we spoke about a little bit more specifically was the final public address of the Prophet ﷺ to the Ummah. And then we talked about the Prophet ﷺ's interaction with his family for the very last time Sunday evening. What this leads us into is Sunday night. Now, as we had talked about previously, in that public address on Sunday, the Prophet ﷺ had essentially um, you know, informed everyone that this was the time of his departure. He was indeed departing. And obviously, uh, as we've talked about previously, and one can imagine, and we will speak more about, um, all of Medina uh, was really just overwhelmed by this reality that the Prophet ﷺ was going to be leaving. And so that night in Medina was unlike any other night they had ever experienced. Everyone was awake, the masjid was full of people, everyone was on pins and needles, um, and it was just a very difficult, to say the least, situation. And to talk a little bit about what the condition of the Prophet ﷺ was on that particular night. There's a narration in Bukhari, narrated by the mother of the believers, Aisha ta'ala anha, which really represents and really captures the essence of what the Prophet ﷺ's condition physically had become. She mentions that, كَانَ إِذَا اشْتَكَى نَفَثَ عَلَى نَفْسِهِ بِالْمُعَوِّذَاتِ The Prophet ﷺ, whenever he was not feeling well, he would, he had this practice that is from the Sunnah, the tradition of the Prophet ﷺ, where he would read, قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ الْفَلَقِ قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ النَّاسِ Suratul Falaq and Suratul Nas, but the Mu'awwidatayn. And he would read these two surahs, and then he would basically blow into his hands, and he would wipe his hands on his body. As a way of, you know, seeking peace and comfort, and even cure and shifa through the Qur'an, through the blessing of Allah. Because the Qur'an is a word of God, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Himself says in the Qur'an, وَنُنَزِّلُ مِنَ الْقُرْآنِ مَا هُوَ شِفَاءٌ It is a cure. قُلْ هُوَ لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا هُدًا وَشِفَاءٌ 
that for those who believe the Qur'an is guidance and it is a cure. And that is not to say, when we say that, that is not to exclude or to, uh, you know, um, that is not to discredit seeking medical attention or seeking a remedy or taking medication or something of that sort. Rather, there's a hadith in the book of Tirmidhi, an authentic narration in which the companions of the Prophet, peace be upon him, وسلم, they actually say, كَانَ رَسُولَ the Prophet used to regularly advise us to go and seek medical attention, for lack of a better term. And so, the Prophet nevertheless, the Qur'an is still a blessing, it's the word of God. And so to seek also, to supplement the remedy that someone is getting, or you can look at it the other way, that you know, the remedy is a supplement, the, the real cure is in the hands of Allah, Allah is a shafi. And so we seek the cure from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, from God, and we seek it through the word of God through the Qur'an. And also to seek the comfort, the blessing, and tranquility when a person is particularly experiencing physical discomfort and difficulty. So, nevertheless, she mentions that this was a practice of the Messenger wasallam. But she says that, فَلَمَّا اشْتَكَى وَجَعَهُ الَّذِي تُوَفِيَ فِيهِ But when he was sick and ill prior to his death, when he was on his deathbed, تَفِقْتُ أَنْفِثُ عَلَيْهِ بِالْمُعَوِّذَاتِ الَّتِي كَانَ يَنْفِثُ وَأَمْسَحُ بِيَدِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَّى اللَّهِ سَمَعَ عَنْهُ She said the Prophet ﷺ became so physically weak that he was not able to do it himself. So she said that what I did was, she said, I read the Surah Al-Falaq, Surah Al-Nas, and then I blew it into the hands of the Prophet ﷺ and kind of took his hands and kind of wiped it on his like upper body, on his chest just to fulfill that tradition that he had. And that really tells you a lot about, you know, what the condition of the Prophet ﷺ was becoming at this particular time and juncture. That whole night, as I mentioned, Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha says that the Prophet ﷺ's condition continued to worsen throughout the night. And as I mentioned on the, on the other side of the curtain, so, so to speak, in Medina, everyone was awake and everyone was just anxious and nervous and overwhelmed. Um, and that was essentially the situation. At that time, you have the arrival of the time of Fajr. And at the time of Fajr, Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu, as was his duty and his responsibility, he called the Adhan. Most of everyone was already present in the masjid. They waited, you know, people prayed their sunnah, so on and so forth. They waited the appropriate amount of time. And as had been the case, the practice for the last few days, Abu Bakr as-Siddiq, radiallahu anhu, the, the companion of the Prophet he stood up to, um, you know, start the prayer. But meanwhile, something really remarkable occurred. And there are a couple of narrations about this where one of the narrations actually mentions something um, very interesting. One of the companions, radiallahu anhu, he actually mentions the fact that while we were sitting there waiting for the prayer, many of us just started to kind of think about and talk about what we remembered from the Prophet 
And some of us kind of were like commented on that we couldn't really picture his face in our heads. Like the, the just, you know, when you have trouble kind of grasping the image of something in your head. Said so some of us, and it was probably more the nerves and the anxiety than anything else. But so we were just in such an anxious state. Some of us kind of started to really kind of panic and get nervous. Naftanina, that we, we, were, we were starting to worry that we would forget the Prophet ﷺ. Of course, he's unforgettable, but nevertheless, in that anxious state, we started to worry about that. And while they were waiting for the prayer to begin, something amazing happens. The Prophet ﷺ, he was lying inside the apartment of Aisha anha. As I had mentioned, if the Imam leads prayer here, the, 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 the apartment of Aisha was right to the side of that, and there was a curtain hanging at the opening, the door of the home of Aisha anha. The Prophet ﷺ was inside. And the Prophet ﷺ, he said to Aisha radiallahu anha, alaykum bil hijab. Alaykum bil hijab. Because Aisha radiallahu anha was in her residence, she was in her private area. He said, please cover yourself. He said, cover yourself. And then the Prophet ﷺ mustered every last ounce of strength that he had. And he kind of scooted himself near the curtain. He sat up and then farafa al hijab. And the Prophet ﷺ moved the curtain to the side. And when he moved the curtain to the side, فَكَشَفَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ سِتْرَ الْحُجْرَةِ The narration says that the Prophet ﷺ stuck him, his like neck, he stuck his face kind of out. وَيَنْظُرُ إِلَيْنَا And he looked at us. The, the face of the Prophet ﷺ was radiating. It was so beautiful. Another companion, Anas radiallahu ta'ala who says about that moment, He said, I, we have never seen anything more remarkable, more memorable, more beautiful, more breathtaking than the face of the Prophet ﷺ on that day. His face was radiating. يتبسم, يضحك, he was smiling. And it says he laughed. Meaning that he like smiling with a big smile in open mouth. And the narration says that, that the Prophet wasallam he scanned the entire room. Smiling at everyone in the room. And he looked around and they said that we all just were just, you know, completely taken by that moment. By the sight of the face of the Prophet smiling at us. And he looked at everyone and he smiled at everyone. It's as if just, you know, time stopped. There's that moment that we all had, that was a gift from Allah to us. That we got to see the face of the Prophet one last time and see him smile at us. And as the Prophet ﷺ looked at everyone and smiled at everyone, smiled at everyone, and you know the, the the commentators of the narration also mentioned the fact that it was not just a moment of joy for these companions to see the face of their beloved messenger smiling at them, 
But it was also a great moment of joy for the Prophet ﷺ to know that his sahaba, his companions, his followers knew what to do after he was gone. That they were gathered in the house of God in the masjid. They were lined up ready to pray to Allah. And that brought great joy to the heart of the Prophet ﷺ. Many of the commentators say that that verse of the Qur'an in Surah Al-Duha, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at all the way in the beginning of prophethood, Allah had told him when he was really, you know, when it was very difficult in the early get-go, in the early days, Allah had told him, God had told him, وَلَسَوْفَ يُعْطِيكَ رَبُّكَ فَتَرْضَى Very soon, soon enough, your Lord shall give you that which, which, that which will bring you great pleasure and great peace and satisfaction to your heart. And some say that that was that moment. That's what Allah had promised him. We will show you something, we will give you something that will make all this trouble worth it. And that was that moment. While the Prophet scanned the room and he smiled and everyone took in that sight, that beautiful breathtaking sight of the smiling face of the Messenger Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he started to move back. Nakasa Abu Bakrin ala aqibayhi. Alright, he started to back up because he hopefully he was hoping that the Prophet was going to come out and lead them. But of course, the physical condition of the Prophet did not allow for that at that time. So the Fa'ashara ilayna Nabi an atimu salatakum. The Prophet gestured to the whole crowd, pray. He couldn't even talk, he was so weak at this time. They gestured to the whole crowd, pray. And then he, Then he pointed to Abu Bakr, to the place of the Imam, and he said, lead them in prayer. The Prophet lowered the curtain, he was holding it with his hand, he let it go, and the curtain closed. فَتُوفِيَ مِنْ يَوْمِهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمُ and the Prophet ﷺ passed away that day. This was Monday morning, Salat al-Fajr. Later that morning, Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, she says that the Prophet ﷺ, his condition started to worsen later in the morning. <clears throat> it was almost what we would call mid-morning time. Al-Duha, mid-morning time. When the sun, kind of what they call midday, the sun kind of has elevated now. And what happens is that it becomes fully bright and the day starts to warm up a little bit. The morning has fully passed and it starts to transition to the midday time. When it started getting around that time, you can call it around like 10 a.m. around that time. Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha said that the Prophet had trouble breathing. He had trouble breathing, he started to kind of like wheeze. <gasps> he was like catching his breath. So she says that to try to comfort him and make it easy for him to breathe, she said that I went behind him and I kind of propped him up a little bit. 
And to make him comfortable, she said, I sat behind him and I leaned him against me. And I held him, helping him breathe, trying to make it easier for him to breathe. And she says in the narration of Bukhari, that بَيْنَ حَاقِنَةِ وَذَاقِنَةِ She says that the Prophet wasallam's head was basically on my chest. It was between my kind of sternum and my, my, my neck, my chin. His head was right here on my chest. And I was holding him. And she says that the Prophet ﷺ was having trouble breathing. The brother of Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, Abdurrahman ibn Abi Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he, <clears throat> he was posted outside the door. He's the brother of Aisha radiallahu anha. So if she needed anything, he was basically posted outside the door that if she needs anything, you're here for her assistance. You're on call. You're here outside the door. And that made sense because her, him being her brother, it would make it easier for him to come in if she's not wearing your hijab and whatnot. So she was holding the Prophet ﷺ, sitting behind him, and the Prophet ﷺ was, had such laborious breathing that he heard you know, the noise of the Prophet ﷺ gasping for air, wheezing. <clears throat> so Abdurrahman, the brother of Aisha, the son of Abu Bakr, he entered into the, into the apartment just to make sure everything's okay. When he entered in and he saw Aisha radiallahu sitting holding the Prophet ﷺ, he said, I'm sorry, excuse me. But he was holding a stick, the siwak, jarida. He was holding like a little stick, which we know as like a siwak or a miswak, the toothbrush, the toothstick. So what they would do is the way that they used, what they used for basically a toothbrush is that they would have like this stick, these branches of these trees called the arak tree. And the arak tree is very interesting. It has a lot of moisture inside of it. So the, what they would do is they would cut pieces of the branches of that tree. And then what they would do is on the end of it, they would kind of like remove the bark from the outside of the end of the, the stick and then you chew up the end of it, and that kind of creates the bristles. And then they would use that to brush their teeth. And the Prophet ﷺ, Tuhuru Shatrul Iman. The Prophet ﷺ, in Allah Jameel, Yuhibbul Jamal, in Allah Tayyib, that he taught us in so many prophetic traditions that God loves cleanliness, hygiene, purification, beautification, goodness and how you conduct yourself, how you present yourself. And the Prophet ﷺ was very particular about these things. And so the Prophet ﷺ used to carry one of these sticks with him, small, he used to carry them with him all, with him all the time. And in fact, it's narrated about him that whenever he made wudu, he performed the ritual purification for prayer, whenever he made wudu, he would actually brush his teeth with that siwak. He'd wash his hands, he'd brush his teeth with that siwak, and then he'd perform the wudu. But not only that, but when then when he would stand up for, to pray, when he would stand up for the prayer, he again would take that stick and he would kind of clean out his mouth before he started praying. 
And he went as far as saying, لَوْلَا أَنْ أَشُقَّ عَلَىٰ أُمَّتِي لَأَمَرْتُهُمْ بِسِوَاكِ عِنْدَ كُلِّ صَلَاةٍ That had I not wanted, you know, if not for creating more difficulty upon my followers, I would have commanded them, I would have mandated upon them that they clean their mouth before they pray every single time. With the siwak, with the brush, they clean their mouth. He was so regular about this, even when he was fasting. Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, the mother of the believers, she says that he used to do siwak so frequently even while he was fasting in Ramadan, that she said, I would lose count during the day. I one time wanted to observe and count how many times I saw him kind of cleaning out his mouth a little bit and I lost count. So the Prophet was very particular about it. And she says something very powerful. She says that the Prophet particularly used to do that siwak whenever he was about to pray. Because he would be talking to Allah. And whenever the angel Jibreel, whenever the angel Jibreel would come to visit him and bring him revelation, the Prophet would also clean his mouth and brush his teeth. And so she says that when Abdurrahman came in, he just so happened at that time to be holding in his hand, kind of fiddling with one of those sticks, and it was a brand new stick, miswak, that had not been used yet. The Prophet couldn't talk at this time. He pointed up at the stick. He pointed at the hand of Abdurrahman. Aisha radiallahu anha says that Abdurrahman didn't really understand at first the gesture, so he kind of looked around like, what can I do for you? And she says, but I, knowing the Prophet so well, I immediately picked up on what he was pointing at. So I told my brother Abdurrahman, give me the stick you have in your hand. She says that he gave me the stick. And she says that the Prophet was so weak at that time, experiencing kind of just the, the pangs of death, sakarat, the departure from this world, the separation of the soul from the body. His mouth was dry, he was very weak. So he couldn't really kind of chew up the end of it and loosen it up. And So the Prophet took the stick, so she said that I took the stick from his hand and I chewed up the end of it for him. And then I, the Prophet ﷺ asked for it and I put it in his hand. And the Prophet ﷺ kind of moved it around on his, in his teeth. He kind of clean, lightly cleaned out his mouth with the siwak. And that's why Aisha anha, the beloved wife of the Prophet ﷺ and the mother of the believers, a siddiqa she says that I was so close to the Prophet ﷺ on the day that he departed this world that his head was on my chest. I could feel him breathing. I could feel the air, like him inhaling and exhaling. And she said, Allah combined my saliva with his saliva on the day that he died. Because yeah. I chewed up the end of that siwak for him and then he brushed his teeth with it. And she then says that after he kind of brushed his teeth with it, the Prophet she said that, he looked up, he looked up at the sky. He pointed with his hand. He said, La ilaha illallah. And then he said, 
في الرفيق الأعلى في الرفيق الأعلى رفيق means companion friend and أعلى means the most highest the most exalted في الرفيق الأعلى في الرفيق الأعلى with the highest of companions with the most exalted of companions referring to Allah that it is time to be with Allah it is time to be with Allah and she says in that last moment while the Prophet ﷺ was saying this he very deeply he deeply exhaled breathed out very like strongly like I felt the, that breath leaving his body and she says when that last when that breath, that strong breath, like that very deep breath, when it left, its bo- left his body, in the narration she mentions something very remarkable. She says that, like a little bit of, you know, his saliva, like almost like a little bit of spittle, like a little bit of saliva, came out of his mouth, and it fell on, it fell on me, on my skin. And she says that, it was very like cold. Like I could feel how cool it was. And she said it made jildi. She said it made like my my it gave me a chill, like a chill went through my body. Because without realizing it in that moment, what I had just what I was experiencing was the soul of the Prophet leaving his body. He took the he breathed out very deeply. I felt it, I heard it, and a little bit of this saliva came out and fell on me, on my skin, and it sent a chill through my body. And she said in that moment, I smelled the fragrance. I smelled the fragrance. And she says that, Wallahi, she swears by God, that I have never smelled something so fragrant in my entire life. I've never smelled anything so fragrant in my entire life. She says something very remarkable. She says, when the Prophet ﷺ looked up and he like breathed out, I felt like he was looking at something. And she says in the narration that I remembered when reflecting on that, I remembered that the Prophet ﷺ, he had said to me once, إِنَّهُ لَمْ يُقْبَضْ نَبِيٌّ حَتَّى يَرَى مَقَعَدَهُ مِنَ الْجَنَّةِ That the soul of a Prophet does not leave and depart from his body until he actually sees his place in paradise. He sees his station in paradise. And she says, I re- realize now, looking back at that moment, when he was looking up, Allah was showing him his place in paradise. He took that, he exhaled very deeply. I felt that saliva fall on my body, send a chill through my body. He had his hand up and he was saying, And then he became quiet and his hand came down. And she said, when his hand came down, the bowl of water was next to him. And he had, I had mentioned that in the previous session that he had this bowl of water and he would put his hand into it and wipe the water on his face to cool himself because of his fever. His hand fell and at first I thought, 
may be hoped that he was reaching down for the water in the bowl. But when I looked down, I saw that his hand was lying on the ground next to, him, next to the bowl, not in the bowl, but his hand was lying there. And I realized and I recognized in that moment that the Prophet ﷺ had passed. She says that when that happened, I sat for a little bit of a moment, kind of gathered myself. She said, I kind of moved from behind him and I slowly, gently laid his body down. She said, I closed his eyes and I took a sheet and I covered him, covered his face, covered his head. She mentions one thing, however, or, or excuse me, Ummu Salama radiallahu ta'ala anha, she says one thing. She says that the day the Prophet ﷺ passed away, and when the news, which I'll get to in just a moment, when the news kind of spread and we came to see the body of the Prophet ﷺ, Ummu Salama, one of the mothers of the believers, she says, when I came, she said, I rubbed my hand on the chest of the Prophet ﷺ, just to touch him one last time. So she said, I placed my hand, marat, she says that, mat. I placed my hand on his chest. And then she says, She said, weeks passed. I eat every day. And what she means by eating every day is that I will, you know, when you eat, you wash your hands. You wash your hands before you eat, you wash your hands when you're done eating. I would make wudu every day. I would eat every day, make wudu every day, take a bath when needed. But she said that my, when I placed my hand on his chest, this fragrance of his soul leaving his body was so powerful that it got on my hand, it, it, it was on my hand. And she said that weeks passed and I could still smell that fragrance on my hand. It was so powerful. It was something otherworldly. Nevertheless, Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, just a, a similar story as well to this, um, on this idea, another companion of the Prophet Abu Burda, he says that, we came to visit Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha as a mother of the believers. We came to visit her one time after the passing of the Prophet and asked her, we're asking her some things about the Prophet, peace be upon him, particularly in his final days. And she said that, he says that, فَأَخْرَجَتْ إِلَيْنَا إِزَارًا غَلِيظًا مِمَّا سُنِعَ بِالْيَمَنْ وَكِسَاءٌ مِنَ الَّتِي يَدْعُونَ الْمُلَبَّدَةِ she says that Aisha radiallahu ta'ala went into like her home and she came out with two pieces of cloth. One was a lower garment. One was a lower garment that was very thick, the kind that they make in Yemen. And the second one was a shawl that was also very well known that they used to refer to as mulabbada. It was a kind of a shawl people used to wear. She brought it out and she said, Inna Rasulullah When the Prophet ﷺ passed away, these were the two garments that he was wearing. 
And again, they say that we could smell the fragrance in those garments. So Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, she says that, I laid the Prophet down, I covered him, I put on my hijab, and I called outside that someone come in. Her brother came in, and she informed him that the Prophet has passed. He went outside and he announced. She said, not far away from the door, Umar bin Khattab, Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu was nearby. And Mughira bin Shu'aba, another companion of the Prophet who used to basically serve as the bodyguard of the Prophet especially towards the end of his life when he would travel. They were not far away. So they both came to the door and said, may we enter? And she gave them permission, come in. So they came in and Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu saw the Prophet lying there. And he said, and when he saw that, he said, Wa ghashiyahu. Oh look, he's so, he's, 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 he's uh, fainted. He's fainted. Ma ashad ghashiyah Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Oh, the Prophet has fainted so severely that he's unresponsive. There's almost that denial. And they went out of the home. And when they got outside the door, because they didn't, Mulira bin Shu'aba did not want to, the other companion didn't want to cause a ruckus inside the apartment. And the Prophet is lying there. Um, she said, I was there. So when they got outside the apartment, she says, I heard that Mughira said, Ya Umar, friend, Mata Rasulullah The Prophet has not fainted. He has not fainted, he has passed away. And he said, Kadabta, you lie. Bal anta rajulun tahusuka fitnatun. See, you're trying to cause trouble. Don't make trouble. Don't you dare say that he's passed away. Inna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Hatta yufni Allahun munafiqeen. And he was almost again trying to think of like some reason. He said, the job of the Prophet ﷺ is not done. There's still munafiqun, there's hypocrites in Medina. So the Prophet ﷺ wouldn't leave yet. He's just trying to think of any reason to justify the Prophet ﷺ still being there. The news started to spread. And just this, you know, this cloud appeared over Medina. Ali bin Abi Talib radiallahu ta'ala anhu started to cry. Severely, like, like, like a child cries. Uthman radiallahu ta'ala anhu became stunned, like catatonic, shocked. So much so that afterwards there's actually an incident, there's a story that someone who had approached him during that time and said salam to him, and Uthman did not respond. That person a couple of days later brought it up to him and said, Brother, are we okay? He said, yeah, of course. Why wouldn't we be okay? He said, I said salam to you and you didn't respond. He said, when was this? He says, when the Prophet ﷺ had passed away. That day. He said, I don't remember anything from that day. He was stunned, unresponsive. Umar ﷺ started pacing back and forth, back and forth in the back of the masjid. 
saying the Prophet has not died. The Prophet has not left us. He has not died. He's going to come back. Musa was called by Allah to tour, to speak to God. Moses was called to tour, to speak to God. And the Prophet has gone to speak to Allah and he's coming back. And he's just pacing back and forth, back and forth. Abbas, the uncle of the Prophet who was a very tall man, some of the books mentioned that he was so tall that if he sat sometimes on like a medium or a smaller sized horse, his feet would touch the ground. Like he was, you know, what we would maybe think like, you know, seven feet tall. Very tall. And he had a loud, booming voice. A huge voice. That's why a lot of times when the Prophet ﷺ would be speaking like at Hajj and things like that, and he needed somebody to you know, kind of relay on what he had said to a large crowd, he would tell Abbas to do it. In a loud booming voice. Abbas was standing outside the masjid, screaming loud. Does anyone know what we're supposed to do? Can anyone tell me what we're supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? Like just panicking. What do we do? Can then somebody tell me? Does anyone have any instructions? What do we do? What do we do? And this whole condition is just spreading through Medina. The companions of the Prophet ﷺ, they say about that particular day, that... Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha, the daughter of the Prophet We talked about her last interaction with her father. When she received the news that the Messenger of God, your father, has passed, she said, Ya Abata, I miss you so much, Dad. Ya Abata, Ajaba Rabban da'a. He answered God's call. Ya Abata, my father, oh dad. Man jannatul firdausi ma'wahu. The one who is in the highest levels of paradise. Ya abatahu. My dad. Ila jibreel nan'ahu. I tell jibreel of how much I miss my father. And even though this is kind of jumping forward a little bit, but I'll come back to this, in, you know, later. But later on, it's even mentioned about her that when they laid the Prophet ﷺ to rest in the ground, and people were coming back from the burial of the Prophet ﷺ, she was standing at the door and she saw Anas, the young assistant, Khadim, personal assistant of the Prophet ﷺ. She saw him, and she said, Ya Anas, he was like a kid who grew up in their home. Ya Anas, atabat anfusukum, antahthu ala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa You were okay with putting dirt on the body of the Messenger of God? Heartbroken. So tragic. The companions of the Prophet sallallahu say about that day, Anas radiallahu ta'ala anhu says, لَمَّا قُبِدَ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ سَلَامًا أُذْلِمَتِ الْمَدِينَةُ حَتَّى لَمْ يَنْظُرْ بَعْضُنَا إِلَى بَعْضٍ 
She says that the day the Prophet ﷺ passed away, Medina became dark. It was like all the light of Medina was sucked out. So much so that we felt like we couldn't see each other. It was daytime. But we felt like we couldn't see each other. وَكَانَ أَحَدُنَا يَبْسُطُ يَدَهُ فَلَا يَرَاهَا أَوْ لَا يُبْسِرُهَا she says, he says that it, it just felt like I could put my hand in front of my face and I wouldn't be able to see it. He says, وَمَا فَزَعْنَا وَمَا فَرَغْنَا مِن دَفْنِهِ حَتَّى أَنْكَرْنَا قُلُوبَنَا When we laid the Prophet ﷺ to rest in the ground, it's like we were mad at ourselves. We hated ourselves for having to leave behind the Prophet ﷺ. Abu Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu ta'ala anhu says, لَمَّا دَخَلَ رَسُولَيْهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ أَضَاءً مِنْهَا كُلُّ شَيْءٍ The day the Prophet walked into the city of Medina, it's like he filled the city with light. He illuminated Medina Munawwara. He illuminated the city. فَلَمَّا كَانَ الْيَوْمُ الَّذِي مَاتَ فِيهِ أُطْلِمَ مِنْهَا كُلُّ شَيْءٍ The day that he passed away, it felt like all the light got sucked out of Medina. And Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu says that the greatest tragedy that ever befell this ummah was indeed the passing of the Prophet Now, this was what was transpiring and this was the condition, what was going on. Abu Bakr, we haven't said what, what happened with him. How did he respond to the news? Interestingly, Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu was sent, he went on to run, to do a very important task outside of Medina. You had the army of Usama ibn Zayd that was camped out outside of Medina. There were some other things that had to be taken care of. So he had gone to take care of those things. And after that morning, after Fajr, he had gone outside of Medina to check on things. He entered back into Medina just a little while after. Maybe half an hour, an hour, sa'atan. Half an hour to an hour after the Prophet had passed away, he came in back into Medina. The moment he got into Medina and he saw the situation in Medina, he recognized what had occurred. What had transpired? He went straight to the home of the Prophet ﷺ, to the apartment of his daughter Aisha radiallahu anha. He came at the door and he said, "Salam." Aisha radiallahu anha says, "Farafatul hijaba." I opened the curtain for my father. Standing outside the door. He looked in and he saw the body of the Prophet lying there covered with the sheet. Standing there at the door, he said, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. Mata Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He said, the, the famous, the, the well-known supplication that Allah teaches us in the Qur'an, that indeed, to God do we belong, and to Him do we return. The Messenger of God has passed. She says he came in, and he went and he knelt down, sat down near the body of the Prophet ﷺ, by his head. He uncovered his face. He kissed the forehead of the Prophet ﷺ. 
a gesture of great respect and love and admiration. He kissed the forehead of the Prophet ﷺ. And he said, Wa Nabiya, Oh my Prophet. He then kissed his forehead again and he said, Wa Safiya, Oh the best of mankind. He kissed his forehead again and he said, Wa Khalila, Oh best friend, my dearest friend. And he said at that time, you were beautiful in life and you are beautiful in death. He then covered the face of the Prophet ﷺ and he consoled his daughter. He went out, stepped out into the masjid. He went to the mimbar, the pulpit of the Prophet ﷺ. He asked Bilal, radiallahu anhu, gathered the people. Some narrations mention that Bilal radiallahu anhu called the adhan to gather the people. It's an emergency situation. And there's almost like this, while everyone was in shock and dismay, there's almost like, you know, they talk about muscle memory, it's like a spiritual memory. They hear the adhan and they just start walking towards the masjid. The people gathered in the masjid, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu told everyone, have seats, sit down, sit down, sit down. Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu was walking, pacing back and forth in the back of the masjid, telling anyone who would listen to him that, La yamutu Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. La yamutu Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam cannot die. He did not die. And he kept on saying that and pacing back and forth. Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu called out to Umar, Ya Umar, ijlis. Ya Umar, ijlis. Sit down. Ala rislika ya Umar. Pull yourself together. Sit down. Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, as I described about Uthman, was just so kind of overwhelmed. And grieving so severely in this way that it's like he couldn't even hear Abu Bakr calling out to him. And he just kept pacing back and forth, saying that over and over again to himself. The Prophet has not died. The Prophet has not died. Abu Bakr gestured, Da'ahu. He said, leave him. It's okay. He understood. Just, he's, he's dealing with it. Abu Bakr then ascended the mimbar. And after praising Allah and glorifying God, he recited a verse of the Qur'an. He said, That Allah said to His Messenger, that certainly you will die, you will leave this world one day. And they all will also die and leave the world one day. And then he recited a verse of the Qur'an, verse number 144 from Surah Ali Imran. وَمَا مُحَمَّدٌ إِلَّا رَسُولٌ Muhammad was a messenger. Muhammad was not but a messenger. قَدْ خَلَتْ مِنْ قَبْلِهِ الرُّسُلِ Many messengers before him came and went. They passed. أَفَإِنْ مَاتَ أَوْ قُتِلٍ If he dies or is killed, إِنْ قَلَبْتُمْ عَلَىٰ آقَابِكُمْ 
Will you turn back on your heels? Which is an expression to mean, will you abandon the religion? Whoever turns their back on Allah, on the religion, they don't harm God, they only harm themselves. And Allah very soon will reward those who are grateful and consistent and stuck with the deen, the religion. Umar anhu says that when he started reading this verse, وَمَا مُحَمَّدٌ إِلَّا رَسُولٌ He said, it like broke my trance. It cut right through. And I froze, I stopped, I looked at him and I listened. And he says, I knew that surah by heart. But I felt like I was learning that verse for the very first time. Because I felt it. This verse was revealed in the aftermath of the battle of Uhud. Because the Prophet ﷺ was injured at Uhud. And some of the enemy had spread the rumor that he had been killed. So Allah revealed this verse in the aftermath of the battle of Uhud. But he says that when I heard it, it was like I was learning it. I was understanding it truly what it would mean for the very first time. So he recited this verse. And we were all stunned, captivated. And it started to make sense. And then Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he said something very interesting, very powerful. Maybe some of the most powerful words a follower, a Muslim, a follower of the Prophet has ever said. He said, فَمَنْ كَانَ يَعْبُدُ اللَّهَ عَزَّ وَجَلْ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ حَيٌّ لَا يَمُوتُ Whoever up until now was worshipping Allah, then know that Allah is ever living and will never die. God will never die. So if you've been worshipping God, continue worshipping Him. وَمَنْ كَانَ يَعْبُدُ مُحَمَّدًا فَإِنَّ مُحَمَّدًا But if up until now, you were worshipping Muhammad, then you should know that Muhammad has passed. And you're done. And Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he said these words, and another narration mentions that he went on to elaborate. He said, Inna Allah ta'ala ammara Muhammadan wa abqahu hatta aqama deen Allah. That God gave Muhammad sallallahu a life to live. And he remained in this world until the religion needed to be established. وَأَظْهَرَ أَمْرَ اللَّهِ He established the command of God. وَبَلَّغَ رِسَالَةَ اللَّهِ He conveyed the message of God. وَجَاهَدَ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ He strove in the way of God. ثُمَّ تَوَفَاهُ اللَّهُ عَلَى ذَلِكَ And then Allah called him back. وَقَدَ تَرَكَكُمْ عَلَى الطَّرِيقَةِ He left you on the straight path. فَلَنْ يَهْلِكَ هَالِكٌ إِلَّا بَعْدَ الْبَيْنَةِ وَالشِّفَاءِ And he says that anyone who now loses the way, does so because of themselves. Because the evidence is clear. And the solution has been provided. And he said that فَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ أَيُّهَا النَّاسِ Continue to be conscious of God, O people. وَاعْتَصِمُوا بِدِينِكُمْ 
Hold firmly onto your religion. Put your faith, your trust, your reliance upon your Lord. Because the religion of God is still here. The word of God is complete. The Quran is complete. And Allah will continue to help those who help the religion. And those who honor the religion of Allah, Allah will help them. And we have the Qur'an. It is a light, and it is a cure, it is a solution to all that ails humanity. And the guidance of God that came by way of Muhammad remains with us in the Qur'an. وَفِيهِ حَلَالُ اللَّهِ وَحَرَامُهُ What is okay and what is not okay is explained to us in the Qur'an. وَاللَّهِ لَا نُبَالِي مَنْ أَجْلَبَ عَلَيْنَا مِنْ خَلْقِ اللَّهِ We do not care about those people who would come after us from the creation of Allah. إِنَّ سُيُوفَ اللَّهِ لَمَسْلُولَ مَا وَضَعْنَاهَا بَعْدُ That if somebody tries to expose this as a moment of weakness, then we have been instructed that we are to stand up against them. And just like we stood by the side of the Prophet and stood up to our enemies, we will continue to stand up to those who would dare try to come after us. And he said that each and every single person is responsible for themselves. And then Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu descended from the mimbar. There's two last things that I wanted to share here before we conclude for today. The first thing is that a little kind of like something to think about and reflect upon. about what is the legacy of the Prophet Of course we know it's the Qur'an, of course we know it's the Sunnah. But really like, how does that legacy manifest? Abu Bakr anhu is the same person who not even 24 hours ago, when the Prophet gave his last public address to the Ummah, Abu Bakr radiallahu started to cry in that gathering so severely that the Prophet actually had to stop and tell him to calm down. Not 24 hours ago, the day before, when the Prophet said, I'm leaving. Abu Bakr started to cry so severely, sob openly, that the Prophet had to stop speaking and turn to Umar, turn to Abu Bakr, excuse me, and say, Ala rislika ya Abu Bakr. Pull yourself together, calm down. He was so devastated by the idea of the Prophet passing. And not even 24 hours later, when the Prophet ﷺ has actually passed, look at the strength 
and the conviction and the fortitude and the faith that Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu demonstrates. Where he stands on that member tall, stands tall on that member, pulls everyone together, rallies the troops, so to speak, and navigates the ummah through the greatest tragedy that ever befell humanity, the passing of the Prophet That's how the legacy of the Prophet manifests in his followers. We all love the Prophet We all feel something when we talk about the Prophet or we listen to someone talking about the Prophet But if you, Allah told the Prophet to say in his lifetime that if you do truly, actually love the Prophet then tell them, follow me. Follow in my footsteps, do my job, carry on my work, do what I need you to do. Yuhbibkum Allah, and God will love you. You'll be beloved to Allah if you do so. And we see that Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala demonstrating that. That's what's amazing. And a little kind of side note and a side comment. Of course, the Qur'an is a miracle, is the word of Allah, and that is the greatest gift that we were given from the Prophet ﷺ, through the Prophet ﷺ, by Allah. But at the same time, in terms of again, just kind of what you leave behind, meaning what you establish, what you build. The Prophet ﷺ built people. He built people. Abu Bakr. Aisha, Ali, Fatima, Uthman, Zainab, Umar, Hafsa, Ummu Salama, Abdullah bin Mas'ud. Like he built these people. And that's what he left behind. That's his legacy. Muhammad Rasulullah wa ladina ma'ahu. Faini mukathiru bikum al umam. What will he be proud of on the Day of Judgment? He told us already. It's not a mystery. What will he be proud of? He won't be proud of the physical structures that we built. The things that we acquire, the achievements and the accomplishments and accolades that we achieve, he'll be proud of the people, the quality of the people that will be present. That's what he'll be proud of. He told us that. And that's why the manifestation of that gratitude of the Prophet of what you know came after him will be demonstrated by the people lining up. And the Prophet taking the water of the fountain of Kawthar, Nahrun fil Jannah, a stream of paradise that will flow into a fountain called Al Kawthar. And the Prophet ﷺ will take the water there, scoop up the water in cups and goblets, and he will hand it by his hand to his followers, one by one by one by one. Good job. I'm proud of you, the people. It's a little bit of a reminder 
that the prophetic mandate, the prophetic mission, the prophetic vision, there's always a lot of discussion, a lot of talk about, you know, our vision and our mission and what we're trying to achieve and what we're trying to accomplish and what we're trying to establish. And there's probably really great ideas and thoughts people have. I have no doubt about that. But if we're interested in the prophetic vision, the prophetic mission, the prophetic mandate, if we're interested in that, that was people, building people. The structure was so humble that when it would rain, water would leak through the roof. There were pebbles on the ground. The roof was held up by tree, trunks of trees serving as pillars. There are date palm leaves covering the ceiling. Humble. But the people were remarkable. And we, as the followers of Muhammad as Muslims, as an ummah, collectively, really need to get back to that prophetic mandate, that prophetic vision of building people, teaching people, bettering people, Quality of the individuals, quality of the collective, quality people. And that is the message that has, that's the vision that has stayed consistent throughout our history as an ummah. And that's why when we talk about some of the greatest people of this ummah, like in the realm of like knowledge and Islam and scholarship, one of the most notable things about a scholar is who were that person's students? Like what kind of people did they leave behind? And that's something that's profoundly important. So, and the second thing that I'll share here in conclusion, because obviously it's been a very, you know, heavy thing to talk about. And this is nevertheless still very heavy in that sense. It's very emotional, but it's very beautiful. In the narration of the Musnad of Imam Ahmad, and also a more detailed narration in the Sunan of Imam al-Bayhaqi, or excuse me, in Dala'il al-Nubu'a of Imam al-Bayhaqi, Anas radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he says that, The Prophet ﷺ used to visit Ummu Ayman regularly. Used to visit Ummu Ayman regularly. Who is Ummu Ayman? Umm Ayman was a woman who, was, who basically was the nanny of the Prophet ﷺ when he was a child, when he was young. And she was like a mother to the Prophet ﷺ. In fact, he used to refer to her as Ya Ummah, Mom. And sometimes he would say about her, She's the only person left from my, from, my, from my family. My father passed away before I was born. My mother passed away when I was young. My grandfather passed away. Abu Talib passed away. She's all that's left from the old days. She's the only one I got left from the old days. She was very beloved to him. When she married Zayd bin Haritha, the Prophet had said at that time, whoever wants to marry a woman of paradise will marry a woman. Really remarkable woman and very beloved to the Prophet. He treated her like a mother. 
Anas says, the Prophet ﷺ would go and visit her on a, on a regular basis. One of the times when he was going to visit her, he says, I was with the Prophet ﷺ and he told me, come with me. We'll go see Ummu Ayman. He says that when we walked into the home, we sat down. Ummu Ayman, as mothers do, had prepared something for the Prophet ﷺ, some food, some drink. So she brought what she had prepared for him and she put it in front of him. He says, the Prophet ﷺ said that I'm fasting. And he kind of, you know, pushed it away a little bit. He said, I'm fasting. Sorry, I'm fasting. When, she, when he pushed it away saying, I'm fasting, she says that she looked at the Prophet ﷺ and kind of gestured towards him. Aqbalat, you, you want me to get up? Do you need me to get up? She's a mom. You need me to get up? Tudahikuhu. And then she and the Prophet started to laugh. That was how precious their relationship was. So, after the Prophet passed away, a few days later, and this is, these, are, these are good friends. Good friends, good companions, good people. Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu said to Umar, we should go visit Ummu Ayman. The Prophet used to visit her regularly. He's gone. We should continue visiting her. So they said that we went to go visit her. And when we sat down, the conversation came up about the Prophet Obviously, three people who loved him so much. And we started talking about the Prophet and he says that she started to cry. Bakat. And we felt bad. We didn't want to make her cry. We said, Ma yubkiki. Ma indallahi khayrun li rasulihi sallallahu She said, we tried to console her. Don't cry. Auntie, don't cry. He's with Allah and that is better. He's with God, and that is better. She said, Wallahi, ma abki Allah akuna a'lam anna ma indallahi khayrun li rasulihi. She said, Son, I know. I know that he's in a better place. I know that. That's not why I cry. Wallakin abki anna al-wahya in qata'a min al-sama. She said, What makes me cry is the realization that with the departure of the Prophet ﷺ, revelation no longer comes down from the heavens. Revelation doesn't come down anymore. And that's what makes me cry. And Abu Bakr and Umar said they both started to cry when she said that. And so, with this inshallah, we'll conclude the lesson for today. Obviously, um, you know, this is, we've been, for many years now, we've been studying through the life of the Prophet ﷺ. Again, obviously, this is probably the most difficult thing to talk about, but in, or, in, in terms of kind of concluding the overall series, I felt it, that it was important to talk about the next three days 
after the passing of the Prophet ﷺ because that also pertains to the life of the Prophet ﷺ. What did they do? You know, people flocking into Medina, coming to pay their respects. Um, what did they do about the janazah? What did they do about the burial of the Prophet ﷺ? What about the washing of the body of the Prophet ﷺ? And then how did they figure out what they were going to do after the Prophet ﷺ. So I felt that that was very important to include within the lesson and the life and the learning of the life of the Prophet ﷺ. So inshallah, we'll continue with that in the next session or so. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, grant us the true love of the Prophet ﷺ. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to follow in his footsteps. May, allow, may He allow us to be uh, representatives of the true legacy of the Prophet ﷺ. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to drink the water of the fountain of Gothar from His blessed hands in the hereafter. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all the company of the Prophet Subhanallah wa bihamdihi, subhanakallahum wa bihamdik, nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta, nasakhfiruka wa natubu ilayka.